Hello and welcome to episode 105 of the Waters Wavelength Podcast. Uh, my name is Anthony Malakian. I'm the U.S. Editor of Waters. And as always, I'm joined by James Rundle, our news editor. Hello. And we, I like to think that all of our guests are special on the podcast. But um, Mr. William Murphy, uh, Blackstone, CTO at Blackstone, uh, he is our first ever three-time guest on the podcast. I'm honored to, to break, the, break the seal on the three-timers. It's, it's well, very, very exciting know, for it's us. Like, uh, I want a blazer <laughs> or some other, uh, yeah, or some other shot, recon- yeah, totally exactly. recognition for this. This is exciting. We'll put um, your name on a plaque at Waters' office. I can't wait. <laughs> Great to so, be here. Today we're going to chat about, um, in April, Blackstone moved into their off their, their technology team, right? Yeah, we call it the innovations team, correct. The innovations team moved into office here on uh, Lexington Avenue and 54th Street. Um, you guys were in this building previously, but you moved down some floor. Why don't you take us through this process of how you set it all up? Sure, yeah. It was, it was pretty exciting. We... Um, Unfortunately, we had to move a few years ago just because we ran out of space in our normal building, and obviously, it'd be always be easier to be that much New York closer. New real estate, so yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we moved, um, we moved here just kind of into a sublet, and and it was it was fine. But uh, when the sublet was up, we we needed to take another floor, and uh, it was a raw space, so we got to redo it and rethink it, and mm-hmm. and uh, really try to take everything into account so that we can build the optimal space for what we're trying to achieve, um, and. Um, and it was just amazing to have this blank canvas. So we first kind of uh, got all the ideas from everybody on our on our team, uh, 150 people, got everybody the in the room. It, you know, we designed it probably in three or four months, and then okay. um, and then architects helped us get through the the, the details. Um, but I really feel like it was kind of birthed by all of all 150 people who who gave up gave up little ideas here and there, and then we kind of crafted it uh, as an amalgamation of all that, and then our architects, um, and Moser, did a great job. They they were able to help take our vision and kind of make it a reality inside the floor plate and inside the rules and regulations that are uh, you know not as flexible as you'd always want them. Um, the thing that was most interesting, I thought, was... Uh, you know, technologists, I think, sometimes are misunderstood, and I've talked about this last time I was, I was here, I think, around creativity and how it's so important to what we're doing in terms of trying to understand and solve problems in a new way. Um, and sometimes people think, you know, people are just engineers and they're just following rules when they're building technology, when that's sure. really not true at all. And uh, so for creative thinking, you really need time um, to focus and time with quiet and this, this creative space to to make great things happen. So when we surveyed everybody, um, we had previously been in the sublet with a wide open floor plate. And, you know, everybody f- feels like everything's moving towards that kind of wide open, very, very loud type dynamic. And every person, almost to a, to a man on our, um, on our team, to a person, they said, I want quiet. Yeah. Um, so we built little neighborhoods. We basically wanted to get the benefits of density in terms of people hearing and absorbing things from their teammates, um, but we also wanted to create ways for that to be quiet. So we broke it into about eight different neighborhoods here of between 15 and 25 seats where each team can have uh, an environment that they control, and then there's conference rooms in between each of those that are kind of dampen the noise um, and gives people what we think is the best of both worlds, where they have the ability to be creative and have that quiet time, 
as well as still kind of get loud. And when they get loud, it's their entire team typically doing it. Yeah, yeah. So they're kind of distracting people who are working on the same thing, which is not as distracting as just, you know, being loud and distracting, you know, another 50 people. So we really weren't expecting to hear quiet so much um, in the commentary that everybody uh, that everybody gave us. Well, I think that one of the interesting things, so we are recording this live from, um, from the conference room here on uh, 601 Lex, but... I've been to Google's offices here in New York City um, on 14th and 8th Avenue, and that is one of the things, like, you know, our office, quite frankly, they're like, oh, we're going to do this whole open design, and everything's open, I hear every conversation, and it's way too loud, and it can be a pain sometimes, quite frankly. The one thing is that here, there's ways to create open spaces, and then there's the we can have small meetings with our teams or I can have my little getaways. Right. So I guess that that's kind of a key. The point yeah, of this totally. podcast will be a little bit of explaining companies that want to go down this path, companies sure. that want to do this. Maybe that's kind of the thinking behind it. Yeah, and I think you, you got to prioritize what is important. So we thought about sound right from the get-go. So we did a lot of soundproofing in the ceiling um, and it doesn't have to break the bank, but like we even have wood floors that are not actually wood. They're plastic um, tile in mm-hmm. a way such that uh, high-heeled shoes don't clank to yeah. the level. And if you think through it at the beginning, it's really not that hard to build something that's cost-effective and still provides that quietness. Um, sure. Each of the booths, so we have a number of booths where people can eat and can actually just take their laptop and work. We also moved to laptop only mm-hmm. policy for our employees, so that gives them full mobility. Um, and every conference room is you know, jacked uh, and ready for them to come in and just yes, plug, plug in, in. And, uh, mm-hmm. and create areas to collaborate. Uh, but when they were, uh, when every person looked at, uh, looks at their space and looks at those booths and things when they go in there they're they're sort of they're in an open area but they're also closed in and it's quiet because we put up sound dampening sides to the um to the booths and stuff so i think you have to kind of like take it into account up front and make sure that your priorities are clear um my other thought is you just have to care yeah and i think down to each individual person uh you know, really caring about what the space is going to be. It's not just a place we're going to work. It's a place we're going to spend probably the majority of our time for the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, we ought to like it. Um, sure. and, uh, and It's more than just whiteboards. It's more than just, you know, what we have, you know, I saw a cornhole uh, thing over here, but uh, no ping pong table. We have a pool table, one of the conference rooms, one of the conference rooms, the top comes off to to play some pool, yeah. (laughs) So we tried to do it, but in a way that was more authentic to Blackstone. Okay. Um, You know, with, uh, yes, and it's more than just that. I think it's actually less about those those seemingly obvious perks that people uh, talk about in magazines and stuff, and it's much more about how do you create a place that's comfortable such that people want to be there. Um, And I kept saying this to the architects, is like, Make it feel like home, like mm-hmm. a, a, a place where a family would be. Because we, we like to think about our team as like a family who supports each other. So why wouldn't you give them a place that felt like home? And, you know, I think we achieved it for the most part. People keep asking me what I would change, and I really, I barely have an answer for them. So I've been pretty excited, and, uh, you know, hopefully it'll lead to just, you know, really good things um, going forward. It's interesting. I mean, uh, when I was working at Waters in London, we remodeled the entire office and similar things to you. We had kind of, you know, breakout areas where you could go and just have a meeting or have your lunch or whatever. We had lots of offices. Um, the design is obviously different because we were doing a newsroom rather than an office. Um, 
And I think Infopro took the opportunity to kind of, you know, see how many people were actually at their desk all day and then therefore shrink the real estate. But it's different for you guys because you want to actually expand, right, in terms of your right. account and where you want to go. So, yeah, true. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and that's certainly um, true this year. We're trying to – we're hiring a bunch of people uh, to try to expand our capabilities. We've – Blackstone in general has continued to grow um, in, in size and also in complexity of the products we're offering. And all of the creative work that we need out of our technology team is, I think, as important as ever, if not more important. Mm-hmm. So um, we, we tried to build it with growth in mind such that we had the place that could kind of expand and, and take on – New, create new energy and also be able to bring in the right types of people, the people who are attracted to, to that collaborative work, the people who want to um, want to solve hard problems um, and come in and do something special. So uh, we're excited about this year. We're really in a growth mindset for our team overall. Uh, we're looking for, you know, just real smart generalists who are curious about problems in the world and want to help solve them for Blackstone. So it is... Uh, I know it's a kind of a broad, vague description, but um, the space was really designed to kind of house those types of people. And I think if you get a lot of really smart, uh, curious people in one place, you can um, you could solve some some great problems. Actually, I'm going to change up the, the maybe it says a question, but going into 2018 and looking at technology and who you're hiring for for technology, has that changed from a year-on-year basis compared to in the previous you know? So when you started, when you started Blackstone, uh, two thousand eleven. Two thousand eleven. Has that changed at all as to the speed of change that's happening um, amongst who you'd hire, or have you always kind of felt that that is the best way to approach it? Just broad generals that provide some flexibility. I mean, I think uh, I think I've always wanted to. I've always approached it this way. Um, Unfortunately, I feel like the rest of the world is, is catching up uh, to, to that uh, <laughs> sure. or, or, or taking on that same mentality um, where uh, the tools are – the reason I think it's as true as ever is that the tooling and the, the way you get stuff done, it's just there's more, um, there's more things at your disposal to, to put together to solve problems. So instead of needing the specialist – who understands a very, very specific technology or a very, very specific piece of hardware or a very, very specific business problem, you can sort of, uh, you can pull those off, the, the solutions to very specific problems off the shelf, and it's much more about the, the person who can put them all together most efficiently, which is, tends to be, I think, a, a talented generalist. Uh, and well, sorry, to just cut in, yeah. and, and I'm sure James can have a question for you, but um, it, it's kind of like, you hear a lot of people talk about these the prevalence of SWAT quote unquote SWAT teams or these hybrid teams that kind of they get they have a specific function get taken off of that put into this. Is that kind of what you're talking about here? Of you know, rather than having just a specialist that just does this all the time, right. that you're now kind of making this amorphous kind of environment. I think yeah, I think in? that the only way to get truly innovative ideas is to get people out of their specialty. You know, people are specialists because they've been in something for a long period of time. And when you're doing that, you become uh, that repetitive thinking just becomes ingrained and you're not going to break out. Mm-hmm. Right. It's often the people that if you look at who's changed given industries, it's usually people who took a completely different look at it. I actually just finished a Elon Musk book about uh, about, you know, his career and how he, you know, they approached Tesla 
there was they didn't hire anybody from the automotive industry and everybody thought they were crazy but they took like a completely different look at it um that's the same thing we try to do on a smaller scale obviously but every single person who comes in on our team is just a, a smart person who has questioning skills and the ability to learn and then we use our you know the broader business knowledge at blackstone and we query that and we say you know what are the problems how can we help and that back and forth is what generates knowledge and then we can take that knowledge back about what the situation is and what the problem is and then try to craft unique solutions but it's almost you know when i joined capital iq as one of the founding team there i didn't know what an investment banker did yeah. um my two partners were investment bankers um and uh and I would just sit there and go, okay, explain to me what you did every day. And then I would try to figure out if there was a way <laughs> to do it with technology. And I thought it was a very um, healthy balance of um, knowledge and ignorance um, with questioning. And it tended to get to, to new solutions that way. Sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, my question was, I mean, when you talk about generalists, I mean, when they come in, obviously very, very general, as you described, you experience capital IQ. When they're here for a while, they tend to become specialists, I guess, because they have that knowledge of the business, they have knowledge of their particular area as well. So how do you kind of manage that in an internal process way? I mean, you're the CTO, could your staff come to you and say, hey, look, this isn't necessarily my area, but I've noticed we we could do something here instead with this technology or with this way of doing things, can we do this? I mean, what's the kind of innovation life cycle at your place? You know, it's interesting, we actually have just gone through a little bit of um, people movement around and we're seeing the, sometimes you forget, you know, you get so wedded to the specialization where a person who's really, you know, who knows everything about a given team or a given product can move so fast yeah. that it becomes, you're like, get addicted to it as a leader. Um, we recently moved a bunch of people around, and even in like a month since we did it, um, seeing so much creativity and new ideas and people bringing up problems that, you know, we really didn't know existed. So sure. it was, uh, it, it kind of reminded me that moving folks around is often a big catalyst towards new. Um, new ideas. I think I'm actually going to wind up doing it more frequently yeah. um, to avoid that type of kind of ingrown, uh, repetitive, um, negative, uh, negative patterns mm -hmm. um, going forward. Just wonder. So when you launch this office, it's the the business side, quote unquote, of Blackstone. They're across the street here. Yeah, they're two blocks away. So blocks I mean, away. I think I've I've worn a path in the sidewalk. Um, <laughs> you know, I think I have it down to a science. If it's uh, if I hit the lights right, I can make it in seven minutes. If okay. bad lights, it takes ten. So it's not too bad. <laughs> is there is there a risk? I guess then of now. Obviously, you've been in this building here that we're in right now. But is there a risk of how do you still manage to keep the business? And the technology together, because we've had plenty of conversations on the podcast and events, stuff like that, about yeah. that need, even though you hate that kind sure. of discussion. Yeah. But Yeah, no, and I think we're actually, uh, a number of changes that we're making is, is, is all designed to make sure that that doesn't go south. Mm -hmm. um, so we're, gonna, we're, we're uh, improving our org model in terms of how we face off with each of our internal client bases. And, and, uh, but it's definitely a risk that I think you need to have energetic individuals who are you know, hungry to learn every day and are going to mm -hmm. push themselves. And if you get lazy, it's easy to come back to your desk and just sit there and just do the minimum and, and you know, answer emails and so on and not be proactive. And what we're trying to do is make, force people to get out there and spend that time with their, with their clients um, to make sure that we don't uh, mess that up. And there, I'm sure there are times when, 
we'll, we'll be suboptimal and we'll adjust and continue to try to get better. But um, it's a it's probably a never ending uh, cycle of, of improvement there. Yeah. And then as far as benefits that the immediate benefits that you've seen so far, I mean, it's only been April. Yeah. It was. Man. It's been great. It's uh, yeah. It's been eight months, Anthony. Um, the uh, uh, listen. The team is. Ex- the, I think that that we've achieved the comfortable, uh, and and um, comfortable and happy and and really having a pleasant time with the space and continuing to deliver um, or delivering faster than than we had and and um, I think we're just at the beginning part where sure. um, we can continue to kind of to accelerate do you find that. pressure as CTO moving into space do you find that there is a pressure that okay we have to kind of show immediate benefits yeah. or is it understood that money we're moving right. into this new space so now we need a little bit of time. As a, as a CTO, there's always a lot of pressure about messing <laughs> up. Um, you know, it's like a lot of it's. There's always so much downside. Uh, but uh, but yes, I we're we're uh, working hard to prove that we deserve. Um, the the firm really bet us bet on us with this space and sure. wants you know helped us understand. Uh, that we uh, or wanted to show the world that we value technology as a first class citizen as it relates to Blackstone and you know we uh, we take that really seriously and we don't want to let let anybody down so um, oh, we're trying hard to to make sure we live up to it uh, and as we grow the team and continue to bring in uh, you know new ideas I think it'll be you know easier and easier to build momentum there um, okay. and then Looking ahead to 2018, so you speak at our conference and stuff like that, and I've always enjoyed, obviously, um, when you're up there, you, you have some unique insights, and also you're a very good moderator. Thanks. I pressure people on, uh, you know, kind of just <laughs> giving examples and stuff like that. But for 2018, broadly speaking, what are some of the areas that you think are going to be, if we're, when we come back here next January, for actually maybe when it's a little bit nicer outside, you know, but, you know, I mean, it's cold today, but coming back here next year, what do you think are some of the main areas, some main trends that you kind of see the industry moving that you'll be looking to address with your team? Yeah, I mean, I think that the machine learning graduating from the laboratory to the real world is clearly going to happen this year. If it, You know, it's already happened on the at the firms that are on the tip of the spear, mm-hmm. um, and now the general the the general population is starting to uh, and it's it's starting to use it and it's starting to creep into commercial products such that people are starting to use machine learning and they don't even realize that they're doing it right yeah. you buy a Nest thermostat you're using machine learning in your own in your own life and similarly uh, a number of the products that we use are starting to introduce features um, you know Salesforce is starting to actually uh, grade your leads based upon uh, okay. AI in order to put your the leads most likely to close at the top. Just a small example that everybody can kind of understand. But yeah. I think we're going to see that across products. We've uh, recently um, invested some more in kind of data science and machine learning uh, skill set here. We want to take advantage of it. Um, and uh, it's just one of many things that we think we're kind of right at the precipice of taking advantage of efficiencies that we've we've built the built the foundational elements in order to now start taking advantage of. And I think a lot of people are in that same boat where um, hopefully we're over the hump a little bit uh, building the foundation of the house and now we can kind of enjoy the, uh, the fruits of our labor if we did it right. 
Well, James just recently wrote an article about it was, the article is you know uh, artificial intelligence moving from winter to spring, and it's talking about the AI winter being there was so much promise that existed before, no one was able to really capitalize on it. Yeah. But now it's kind of moving that direction. Yeah. I don't know if you want to. Yeah, I think well, you're right. The idea it comes back to tooling, right, and and having the uh, the available technology in place. I mean, the AI winter being the 60s and 70s where yeah, totally. a lot of promises made, nothing really existed to really capture on at the time. Now you have the computes, you have the data, you have the tooling, everything else where it seems that a lot of this uh, science that is in actuality, you know, 20, 30 years old is now actually actually. And I think it's going to be a lot more incremental than people... You know, the, the media tends to blow things, no offense, guys, out of proportion that's at true. times, right? Yeah, where where they're like, is. oh, the robots <laughs> are going to take over and so on. Instead, it's going to be, you know, incremental improvements to every piece of software you use, incremental uh, efficiencies to be yeah. gained. And so it's not going to take out wholesale groups of people. It's going to improve everybody's life bit by bit. Now, yeah. when we look back, much like when a, a child grows up, you know, when you see them every day, you don't notice how big they get, right? Yeah. But you, you don't see them for years. Oh my gosh, you grew so much. I'm sure we'll look back 10 years from now and say, oh my, look at how much more is automated, but we probably won't even notice as it's happening. Yeah. I think that this is something I banged on a lot whenever I talk about this on the podcast and even in my writing, but is that, yes, AI is going to replace jobs, and there are going to be lower-level jobs, and some jobs, when we talk about broader America outside the capital markets, that there's going to be some pain points that are going to be developed that you know, both state and local governments are going to have to deal with, um, and federal government. Um, but when you look at the capital markets, just keep it specific to that, there's... I really do believe in this augmenting of what employees can do. We're going to be able to do things better, and it's little changes. And now, who knows? Maybe 10 years from now, there is a wholesale wipeout of force, but that's insanely even... There's no way of predicting that. There's no way of really knowing that right now. These gains that we're facing are just making employees more productive so that when you're in a space like this... They can do a little bit more and interact with people in a way and be led toward new opportunities that maybe they wouldn't have been guided toward in no, the, the make work in the right. background. Yeah. And I do think that there's a lot of, you know, it's hard to measure some of the, you know, uh, some of the gains from any of this because sure. it's really like if it saves every person five minutes a day, mm-hmm. you know, does that really show up in in the financial metrics right away or is there a yeah. lag effect where, you know, hiring is just slower? Perhaps that's... That's some of the underpinning of, of wages not not increasing as much as um, as others might have thought at this period of. Uh, Think about how much of, cloud uh, has changed. Absolutely. Like the ability for so you know you're a global company. We're we're a much smaller smaller global company, but the ability for me to be able to interact with the editors in uh, London and in Hong Kong and using Google, you know, documents stuff like that. Right. For us to be able to interact, communicate create, you know, workflow where somebody's going to bed in Hong Kong, passing that off to uh, London, and then it has, it's so seamlessly improved things. Yes. And you never would have realized it if you, when you step back and look at it, you're like, damn, that was really impressive. Right, right. And I don't think people are giving the, 
like the credit doesn't exist in the world because there's other reasons why it's not like you're charging a lot more because of that or you're doing yeah. it that much you're just doing more work and you're supplementing it with more content and you're giving your your readers uh, more things to consume like a podcast so sure. it's just something that kind of gets baked in the cake a little bit but i think it's pretty considerable um to think about it's funny that uh one thing that i would mention i was reading a book from i forget the name of it but uh, the intel founder um, or one of the Intel early guys wrote a management book from the 80s, and I was reading that, and they were talking about, uh, you know, literally sending physical memos back and forth in order to do <laughs> the iteration. Um, yeah. And uh, one, I was floored by reading some of this because it was it seemed so inefficient. And then at the same time, most of the management knowledge and the lessons that he learned about building a team and building a culture actually completely rang true. So it was both extremely timely that or a timeless and then you know you you, you feel some things that are completely uh you know seem oh, so antiquated stuff to be at the same the time yeah, yeah absolutely it was it was a fascinating read well so mel you've been on now three times i appreciate coming on the podcast it goes to show that this communication area exists <laughs> it's it's a lovely little thing you know i, I think that me and you we were talking about uh, you and your son now are starting to talk about your recording communications, or yeah, you know, I, it was interesting. I was, uh, I was last time I was on, I uh, I made them listen to it, and they, you know, my son started to inquire about this thing, this you know, what's a podcast, and I made him listen mm -hmm. to some other ones and stuff. He's tw he's about to turn twelve years old. What's so. technical dad, um, and he's yeah. really intuitive. <laughs> oh, totally, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah. With slightly different subject matter, we started sure. recording some things, and uh, you know it's been really fascinating to uh, and helping him uh, frame arguments, and he's he's started doing some debates at school. So um, we've been excited about sharing it with our family, and and they can hear us debate, which is the best Avengers character, and uh, and other very very important global it's global debates. Uh, <laughs> it's been cool. But you told me right before this that. Uh, you had something. You were recording memories of your family. I well, thought this was family. really awesome. So um, I want to. Oh, I wrote down the note. I'm going to try it. <laughs> I'm 38 years old. You know, uh, not quite as old as you. Older than him. And uh, you know, my parents are in their 70s now, and you know, they're from the Bronx. You know, my dad he had a good career in IT and everything like that. My mom, she, you know, she's been she was a nurse and everything like that. I find that they don't quite remember things as well. And then I started thinking to myself one day, you know, every single year when we get together for Christmas, for uh, Easter, stuff like that, we start having conversations and we all laugh uproariously at these great memories, even though we've heard the stories. Probably story. the same one every year. Same, <laughs> same kind of stories. I've heard the stories a thousand different times. And so I decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to start recording these things. So it started about a year ago. And just because, you know, at some point, I'm never going to have kids. But my brother has uh, two kids. My sister has three kids. Never say never. <laughs> just you wait, Zaydee. I might already have yeah. a few. I don't know. Um, but, um, <laughs> but what I found was that, okay, even though my niece and nephews will kind of remember these, they're not going to fully remember them the way that me, my brother, and my sister remember them, the way my cousins remember them. So let's have, let me record these conversations so that people will be able to remember all these insane, awesome. how the family was great. So cool. And the reason why this began was, so my grandfather uh, came over from Armenia 
Uh, well, actually, he was in Turkey, actually, at the time. So he's Armenian living in Turkey. And so he had to escape the genocide. No one to this day knows. His last name was Onesian. Mm-hmm. No one knows. I, I haven't been able to find anybody in my family that knows why he changed his name from Onesian to Malikian. My whole go. identity, my whole last name, I have no idea why it's happened. And it's just my grandfather. So I was like, let's start recording these. Let's get these on paper. And then, you know, just kind of filter down. And then this way... When my niece and nephews have kids, they'll never have met grandma and grandpa, probably, or maybe they were just too young. Right. But, you know, or great grandpa, not, not grandma and grandma. Um, <laughs> so they'll have, them, they'll have them something to listen to. Something to listen to. All right, so what's the best story? Come on, you got to give us something funny for, the, for your listeners here. Best story. I mean, I feel like I'm taking over now, as moderator. Larry Malikian <laughs> was a guest on this podcast, and he had some good stories, you know. Now, wasn't that like a Christmas Eve or a New Year's New Year's special yeah, it was or that, something yeah, like that? Oh, God, it was, yeah, it was We were ridiculous. going to publish whatever happens. Kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, one, my favorite stories, two stories, actually. My, I am alive today because of White Castle. My, <laughs> my mother, uh, her father, my grandfather uh, was a doctor and he worked night shifts, comes home. And my mom would, when she was a young kid, would go out and, you know, meet with, uh, or go, go get um, uh, food for him. So one day, he comes home, can you go out and get me some uh, food? So she goes, drives down to White Castle, pulls up to the station, gets out. My dad is there. My dad was a bit of a ruffian, you know, Bronx ne- boy. Never would have guessed. Yeah. <laughs> he had just been in a fight and he had a black eye and the guy was trying to claw out his eyes and so he had scratch marks going all across his face Jesus. black eye across <laughs> and my dad was like you know hey look at you. whatever I don't even know what the conversation was whatever it was she goes leave me alone now <laughs> it being the Bronx she knows where he lives or he, uh, he knows where she lives Goes up to my aunt, uh, Joe, uh, who's my mom's sister, and says, I want to take your uh, sister on a date. You know, come on, hook me up here. Yada, yada, yada. They finally go on a date. My dad's battle scars have healed. (laughs) First, you know, time, it's like, ah, no, it's not my guy. My dad was persistent. They wouldn't have met had it not been for 2 a.m. At, a at a White Castle in the Bronx. I mean, they're right. having his ass kicked. After, and being bloodied up, you know, I mean, my dad was, you know, Marine and everything like that. So he was a big guy, but, you know, it was, it was a tough battle. Yeah. The other funny one, years later, and I don't mind telling these stories. My dad has told these stories. <laughs> my dad goes out with the boys after a long night of, you know, they had an outage, and so they all went out to the bar. And he's like, Mary, I'm not coming home tonight. You know, or I'll be home later, whatever it was. My mom drives up <laughs> in the car outside of the local bar and parks the car, waits for him to come walking out. That comes stagger out. Mom revs on the engine, comes launching at him with the car. What? Mind you, married now for 50 years. Okay? <laughs> Launching out with the car, he dives out of the way. She launches over a curb, goes around the corner, and leaves. Those are definitely the two best stories that I have. <laughs> so she missed him. Missed him. She just wanted to scare him. 
miss him. Yeah, obviously. Otherwise, I'd be talking about my dad in the past tense. I think yeah, that, that takes some rage. <laughs> wow, wow. But those stories. That's now you now the they're, I'm sure that they were dark stories. Now they're in some preserved ways. for forever, and everybody loves them. Awesome. So I, I highly recommend. You know, it's great what you're doing, with John. These are stories that, you know, I'm gonna always look back and I'll just play the recording. But like, that's a funny. story. I think we are, you have a new outlet. You know, the Malakian Family Podcast. Exactly. I, I can't wait to listen. I'll bring to them on next week It'll and be just awesome. be like, all right, Dad, <laughs> just tell me Bronx stories. Great. Well, thanks so much, thanks, uh, Bill, for for once again taking us around here. It's a great place. We'll have a couple, another beer, I think. Uh, yeah, there we go. Perfect. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you, Anthony, for thanks having so me. Much. And uh, great talking to you. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, guys.